Hello and welcome again to our evening broadcast at Newark UPC. It is good to have you all here, our new listeners and our older listeners, those who have been with us longer, I'll put it that way. So welcome to all of you. You can find out more about us at newarkupc.info. If you are new to us, there's all kinds of things on there. And tonight I've I've been featuring a section of Newark UPC each time I come on here. And so tonight I'm going to feature the contact us section. So if you type into your web browser, newarkupc.info, N-E-W-A-R-K-U-P-C.I-N-F-O, and then it'll bring you several options up. You click on contact us. And you'll find much more than just an address, an email, and a phone number. That is where you can update your contact information. For those of you who have been around longer, you may have changed your cell phone number, or you may have changed your email address, or you may have changed even where you live. We would love to know that so that we can stay in better contact with you. If you are brand new to us and you and we don't have your contact information, but you would like to be added to our our text uh, texting. And we will put you in our system and and we would love to invite you to all of our things. Um, also, on the contact us section, you can request prayer. Either privately, you can you can click the little button that says just privately of the pastoral team or more publicly of the prayer team. And also in contact us, you can join the prayer team. So if you were listening just now, you know, uh, you know what the prayer team does. They pray for all of those prayer requests that come in. You don't have to be a member of the church or somehow qualified or anything to be a member of the prayer team. You just have to be able to pray. And I think all of us can can uh, pray for others. And, and that's what we should be doing. Also, on Contact Us, you can request to be baptized. We would love to immerse you in water, calling on the name of the Lord Jesus, just as the Bible says. The Bible says... Uh, with baptism, all your sins are canceled, washed away, remitted, forgiven, pardoned. All of those words, you get the idea. If you haven't been baptized, go to contact us and request to be baptized now. Even during this broadcast, please go and do that. I will not be offended if you are distracted because you're putting in a request for baptism. I promise. At the bottom of the contact us section is... Our mailing address, which is a P.O. box, uh, an email address where you can request more information and a phone number. You can call during business hours, not Mondays, but during other days, business hours, and uh, talk to someone and get your questions that might not be on the website covered. So the contact us section is a place where lots and lots of things happen, much more than just here's our email address. Uh, I had a, a situation today. I was dealing with a company online that had charged us, you know, those renewing annual subscriptions. And uh, it was impossible almost to find a place to even email them. I never did find a phone number. Um, we are not like that. We want to be easily accessible to you and make it make it 
easy for you to reach us and contact us on newarkypc.info is a great place to do that. Enough of the, the pre-message ad. We are talking about parables this week and last week. There are just so many great parables that we couldn't fit them all into one week. So we did two weeks. We are coming to the end of it and I hope you have enjoyed it. I certainly have. I think this has been one of my favorite um, topics because these parables are just so rich. We do have to be careful not to carry them too literally or too precisely because they are a, a story that's meant to teach a lesson and we have to make sure we get the right lesson out of them. But I love a good parable. It, it's so easy to understand and that's why Jesus used them. So tonight we're going to talk about one of the maybe a little lesser known parables. It's called the parable of the laborers. It is in Matthew chapter 20. And first of all, I want to do a little context before the parable and after the parable, and then we'll come back to the parable. So we're going to do a little parable sandwich here with context before and after, and then we'll deal with the actual parable. Um, in Matthew 19, we, we have the children coming to Jesus. And we've talked about that within maybe the past couple of months. We, we had a, a week on children, which I also really enjoyed. But um, we talked about that a little bit then, but the children come to Jesus uh, to, to greet him, to be blessed by them. And the disciples shoo them away, the bodyguards. He's too important for those little rugrats. Uh, to them, but Jesus says to them in Matthew 19 and 14, he says about these children, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. In a lot of these parables, we get this language of the kingdom of heaven. And uh, so that is something that, that kind of jogs my, my attention because the kingdom of heaven uh, belongs to children, people like children people who become like children. Then we have in Matthew 19, just following the children passage, we have the story of a rich young man who asked, what must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus says to him, sell all you have and give to the poor. He went away sad because he was very rich. And the disciples ask Jesus, okay, wait a minute, you said give everything to the poor to sell everything we have and, and give everything to the poor and come follow me. Well, we've done that. So what do we get? Uh, the, the disciples were always about what's in it for me. So Matthew 19, 29, Jesus replies to them and says, anyone who sacrifices home family, fields, whatever, because of me, and this is the interesting part, we'll get it back a hundred times over, not to mention the considerable bonus of eternal life. So he's, he's saying that even in this life, you will get it back a hundred times plus eternal life. And then it says, this is the great reversal. Many of the first ending up last and the last first. So we have the children who are the greatest, you know, their, their model of us, which is a reversal of how the disciples thought. 
we have this uh, this idea of those who give up everything and become, they have nothing, but they also have everything. That's the great reversal. Last time when I spoke about the pearl of great price and the treasure in the field, we also had this giving up everything to have everything. Um, then in our parable sandwich comes the meat and we'll come back to that. He tells the parable we'll talk about tonight. Uh, then following the parable, after he's tried to tell them this lesson, uh, the mother of James and John comes to him and asks for a special place of honor for her boys. Mothers tend to be like this. We like to try to get the best for our children, and that's okay generally. This was a little bit much, though. The other disciples got mad about it, and Jesus said to them in Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28, he says, You've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around, how quickly a little power goes to their heads. And honestly, we have all seen that in our jobs, in our families, in our government, in our politics. Yeah, uh, a little power goes to their heads. Godless rulers love to throw their weight around. Doesn't matter which party either, does it? It's not going to be that way with you. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served, and then to give away his life in exchange for the many who are held hostage. So glad he gave away his life because I was held hostage. So you see, we have the great reversal, as the message calls it. Children are models that we're supposed to follow. Usually we're supposed to be teaching the children and they're supposed to be following us. Nope. Jesus says it's the other way around. We need to become like little children. The first go last and the last go first. The servants are great and the great God himself becomes a servant. So now I want to come back to the meat of the sandwich. Uh, the, so we've got the, the beginning and the end and then what comes in the middle is what uh, Theologian John Dominic Crossan would call a challenge parable or a story with a theological punch. He says, the challenge of a parable is, are you willing to live like that? It has a gotcha. It has a twist, a plot twist. Plot twists are not new things. So in this story about the workers, the parable of the laborers in the field, in Mark, in Matthew, sorry, Matthew chapter 20, it says, Jesus says, God's kingdom is like an estate manager who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. They agreed to a wage of a dollar a day and went to work. Now to us, a dollar a day seems like not nearly enough and it's not, but um, let's, let's forget that in some countries you, dollar days more of a normal wage. But let's just say it was a normal wage, was a denarii, um, which was a, a day's wage basically for a laborer. And they agreed that this is what you're going to get for your labor today, come work in my field. And they did. 
So this sounds very normal so far. The manager should know at the beginning of the day how much money he has to spend, he has available to spend on laborers and still make a profit. He should know about how many laborers he's going to need to get the work done. Uh, this would be expected of a good manager. So this is all just very normal. Uh, something else that happens in the biblical world is that there's a kind of a town center, a, a town square where the laborers who are available would come in early in the morning and just kind of hang out, uh, get the word out. I'm available if anybody has a job. And then the people hiring would come to the town square early in the morning, pick the ones they want, they like best. Maybe they've hired them before and know they're good workers. Maybe they know some of them are not good workers and won't pick those. They size them up. They eye them up. They say, this one's got some good muscles. He can probably carry uh, a big sack of barley, this kind of thing. So it's kind of like getting picked for the baseball team. Um, the best ones go first. And this is what is normal in the biblical world. So these people would not have been surprised by this story so far. This is about, we're assuming this is about six o'clock in the morning that this happens. Then the parable gives a little bit of a twist. Later, about nine o'clock in the morning, the manager saw some other men hanging around the town square unemployed. He told them to go to work in his vineyard and he would pay them a fair wage. And they went. He didn't tell them how much he was paying. He just said, I'll pay you fairly. I guess they needed the work or they trusted him or something. So they went and they worked in the field. But this is a little strange. Why, why is this guy still hiring people? He should know how many people he needs. He should know how much money he can spend. I don't know. Maybe, maybe their donkey cart broke down on the way into town and they weren't available in, early in the morning. I don't know. But at nine o'clock, he hires some more people to go work. Verse five says he did the same thing at noon. So this is the third time he's hired people. And again at three o'clock. Oh, wait. Now he's hired people four different times. And five o'clock, he went back and he found still others standing around. And he said, why are you standing around all day doing nothing? So this is a very strange method of getting your work done in the field. He's hired people various times, various times of the day. Um, so we assume these people at the end would be the people picked last for the baseball team. They're going to be the weakest, the most desperate people. They've been hanging around all day. Nobody else has chosen them to work. Uh, and, and here they are. So he hires them. They replied to him because no one has hired us is why they're still hanging around. They've been there all day, but nobody's hired us. He tells them to go work in his vineyard. So uh, we have different groups of people. We have people who have been working since the morning, all through the day, all through the heat of the day. You know, it gets hot around noontime, two o'clock. It's hotter then. Um, and, and the sun beats down on you. And uh, it's just hard labor there in the middle of the day. So people that have been there for a dollar for their wage, their day's wage, all day since six o'clock in the morning. And now it's quitting time 
uh, in the evening, probably about six o'clock in the evening. So probably about 12 hours they've worked. You also have people, the second group of people has been there about nine hours. That would have also been in the heat of the day. Then you have a group of people that's been there six hours, a little easier time. And then you have this last group was hired at five o'clock in the afternoon. They've only been there, say an hour, maybe two, but not very long. And they didn't have to work when it was real hot, you know, in the evening, it's not, not quite as oppressive. So these are the people lining up to get their wages. When the day's work was over, the owner of the vineyard instructed his foreman, call the workers in and pay them their wages. Start with the last hired and go to the first. So the one hour people are going to get paid first. They all line up the latest to, to earliest. And those hired at five o'clock came up and were each given a dollar. Wait, what? This guy had agreed to give the all day people a dollar and he's giving the one hour people a dollar. That's a really good deal for these laborers. They work for an hour in the cool of the evening and they get a day's wage. That's cool. And these are the weaker guys who probably couldn't carry as big of a barley sack. When those who were hired first saw that, they assumed they would get far more. Okay, they've worked 12 hours. We're playing a buck an hour. Maybe we're gonna get $12 out of this deal, who knows? but they each got the same, each of them $1. Okay, so here's the twist. Here's the real twist. Everybody gets the same money. Uh, and then in verse 11, it says, taking the dollar, they groused angrily to the manager. These last workers put in only one easy hour and you just made them equal to us who slaved all day under a scorching sun. I can just hear them, can't you? Grumble, mumble, complain. And I, I, I kind of see their point. I mean, they, they're, they're uh, not starting a picket line yet, but they're, they're uh, saying what they want and they do have a point to it. They're going before the manager saying this, this is fair that's not fair. So the manager in verse 13, he replied to the one speaking for the rest, friend, I haven't been unfair. We agreed on the wage of a dollar, didn't we? So take it and go. I decided to give the one who came last the same as you. Can't I do what I want with my money? Are you going to get stingy because I am generous? The answer to that is yes. Yes, they were going to get stingy. No doubt about it. Uh, and then remember the context of the, of the parable sandwich. Just following this is when uh, the mother of James and John comes and requests that her voice be in a place of honor. So I think the point didn't quite go down. They got stingy. So the answer was yes, we all tend to get stingy as the Bible calls it, or, or we would call it fair. We're, we're advocating for fairness. Verse 16 says, here it is again, the great reversal. Many of the first ending up last and the last 
first. So how does this parable apply to us today? We don't have workers in the vineyard generally. We don't have a town square where we go to hire. We don't pay people a dollar a day. Thank the Lord. Um, well, let's talk about a few ways that this parable applies. In some ways, we Christians, we 21st century uh, East Coast people are the ones in the parable hired the last. We don't have the thousands of years investment that the Jewish people have. They were the chosen people. You had to have a genealogy or follow the law or become circumcised if you were male to become a member of, of a tribe. And uh, we, we don't do that. We just talked about baptism where all of your sins are washed away by a simple act of repentance and, and a modified version of, of getting wet like you would in a bath. That is not something that is hard to do. And we, I don't have the genealogy that shows I belong to a certain tribe. I think most of you don't either. So we are this last group of laborers hired. Um, we're the late comers, but he saved us just the same. And I am so thankful for that. And you should be thankful for that too. I came at the very end of the time and I get eternal life. Isn't that amazing? Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice, your getting me at the last moment, um, the, the more bedraggled of the laborers, the ones who weren't all cleaned up. That's us. That's the 21st century church. There's a message, another message too, a, a great reversal message that we all can take to heart within our context and within the church. We have been in the church a long time. I received the Holy Ghost when I was six years old. It's all I've ever known. I've put in years. Um, I've put in over 40 years in the church, and I'm not that old. So I could say, you know, I have more say in the church. I could say I'm, I'm more special, or I could say I'm the one that, should get the most honor. I'm the one that should get the most respect because I have all this time put in. But um, that is not how it works in the church of God. We who have been in the church for a long time, who have invested in the past, who have labored to build what is here, um, who have worked through the hardest times, through those times when money was tight or through those times when there weren't many people in the pews or through the times when um, maybe our family was giving us a hard time or through those times when it wasn't popular um, to be a Christian, we don't get paid more. We aren't saved more. We don't get more credit than the newcomer. He saves us all. He involves us all. He equalizes us all. And he wants to make disciples of all. It doesn't matter 
that I've been in Newark 25 years almost. Uh, it doesn't matter that my husband has been a part of the Newark church for over 40 years. The person who just started our watch, started watching our broadcast during the pandemic gets the same pay, the same salvation. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. The person who recently joined a small group who hasn't put in much hard work at all or, or, or really hardly any work, they get the same reward. Jesus loves them just as much and he paid his life for them and they get the same eternal life that I get. And that's okay. And I need to not get stingy. We can honor those to whom honor, we can give honor to those who deserve honor. The Bible says that's scriptural, but their reward is not more. God wants all as his disciples from founding members to recently reborn. And it feels wrong. It feels like a twist. The challenge, the provocation of this challenge parable is, are you willing to live like this? God keeps his word and he pays us as promised, but we must not get stingy and say, I don't want you to pay them as you've paid me. I should be paid more. Let me finish with one other short little story. Jesus tells Peter in John 21, he says, feed my sheep, feed his sheep. And then he hints, he kind of intimates that Peter will be taken captive as many non-scriptural sources say did indeed happen and that Peter died a violent death. John 21 verse 19. And then he commanded, follow me. Turning his head, Peter noticed the disciple Jesus loved following right behind. When Peter noticed him, he asked Jesus, I guess Peter wanted to get the pressure off of himself. And he said, Master, what's going to happen to him? And Jesus said, if I want him to live until I come again, what's that to you? You follow me. So we need to be responsible, taking care of what we are responsible for. We, we need to follow him. But what about everybody else? Can't I expect that God will be fair? Shouldn't God be fair? No, God is not fair. He is just, but he is not fair. But if he chooses to bless somebody else more than he blesses me, more than he blesses you, it's just not fair. Jesus says to us, what's that to you? What's that to us? Me, I need to concentrate on following him. You, you need to concentrate on following him. Period. End of subject. That's it. Fair or not. No matter about anybody else. So the challenge is, are you willing to live like this? Because the kingdom of God, the church of God, 
is built upon the great reversal where the last is first and the first is last. The servants are leading and the leading are servants and people who did the easiest work get the same reward. Are you willing to live like this? Am I willing to live like this? I hope so. I'm trying to, and I hope you are too, but it's certainly a twist. It's a provocation. It's a challenge. So I hope, I hope that you will join me in trying to live like this. That wraps up our parable for tonight. If you'd like to learn more about us, as I said at the top, please visit us at newarkupc.info. We're here every night of the week except Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. I hope you'll join us tomorrow for Friday night at fr Friday night with friends at 7 o'clock.